Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Welcome to episode 20 22 of the Two Twos podcast. I am Nana. And I am Rose. And together we are Two Twos. <laughs> Today we have a very, 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 very special guest. Can you please introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Reverend J.D. McCauley. Um, <laughs> I, I love the show already. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm Reverend J.D. McCauley. I'm the founder of um, an organization called House of Rainbow. Um, oh. Yeah, House of Rainbow is an organization that supports black African Caribbean, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, intersex, queer, plus people yeah. uh, on the journey of reconciling their faith and sexuality. Yes, mm, love it. I love I, the it. The first time I saw House and Rainbow fly, it was when I saw you at the LGBT poetry, yeah. mm. and then there were like little flyers yeah. going around. I'm sure I still have the flyer somewhere because mm. that's how I knew to contact you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's really cool. Mm. Nice. Um, actually, the flyer is interesting. I had some in my bag. I should have brought it. On the yeah. Um, I think one of the flyers is one where we designed and we change, not change. We actually introduce. Acronyms to the to GAY. Yeah. So we said things like GAY means God adores you, God oh, accepts yes. you, God anoints you, God accommodates you. And I think, and we also threw one in for Diva, which means divinely inspired, victoriously anointed. Hey, oh, I love it. Love it. My fly, my fly doesn't have that on there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I got one of the old ones. <laughs> Maybe it's old one. Yeah, it's always old. I find you a new one. Yeah, yeah. That's really nice. I think that's very comforting for people as well that are listening to like know the acronyms. Yeah. That they can kind of identify a little bit. Mm. I think it's important because um, a lot of people have been through so much. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the crux of the damage is when people are telling you that God abandons you. That's right. what gay yeah. means. And we, we just, we're doing our best to reverse that. Because, you know, often I say to people, particularly in the black community, yeah that there is nowhere in the Bible that God condemns homosexuality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's me. Yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna, we're we're gonna, gonna to get into yeah. that. Yeah, yes. I, I, I'd love to get into that. <laughs> First, we're going to play a game, a quick game, um, and it's just about some LGBT facts. Mm-hmm. So I, ho- I hope you know your facts. <laughs> so I've got a few questions here. All right, the first one is, what does the plus symbol in LGBT plus stand for? A, inclusive of, inclusive of straight people. B, inclusive of other identities. Or C, inclusive of BAME people. Inclusive of, what's the middle word? <laughs> yeah. Other identities. Other identities. Ding, yeah. ding, 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 ding. Yeah, I don't know this question, so me too, also. You think, yeah. Did you get it right? Yeah, yeah, B. B. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, B. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm going to ask you two. All right, what year marked the 50-year anniversary since it stopped being illegal for two men to be in a relationship in England and Wales? Is it A, 2017, B, 2015, or C, 2018? 2017. Hey, oh, ding, 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 ding. They're very recent. Yes. Very recent. Wow, okay. Yes. So okay. that's the, anniversary, the 50th anniversary. Yeah. Okay, so why did the Stonewall riot start? Is it A, because the police raided a gay bar called Stonewall Bar? Is it because they raided a gay bar called Stonewall Junction? Or is it because they raided a gay bar called Stonewall Inn? Stonewall Inn. Yes. <laughs> wow. I was going to say the first one. Was it going to say the it's terrible. You're good. Yeah, You're okay. Okay. You have to pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next question. When did the first Pride Festival take place in London? Is it A, 1st July 1973, B, 
1st July 1972 or C, 1st July 1976? 1st July 1972. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I thought these questions were going to be asked. Okay. Wow. A few more questions. All right. <laughs> Fill in the blank. In 2017, there was an estimated blank. A, 1.1 mil. B, 1.2 mil or C, one mil, people aged 16 years and over identifying as LGB. <laughs> they just missed out the whole blank. Just LGB. Ooh. Yeah, no just T. LGB. Just lesbian, gay, and bisexual. Uh, what's the numbers, numbers again? again? Yeah. 1.1 mil, 1.2 mil, or one mil? 1.2. I'm going to say 1.2. <laughs> Honestly, that is such a high statistic. It is really yeah. high. And this was in 2017, yeah. they estimated. And, and, there's, there's, there, and people are still saying, oh my God, there's more visibility, there are more mm-hmm. people that are getting... No, listen, it's because the laws have changed. Yeah. People now feel free. Free to come yeah. out. Yeah. Comprehensive sexual education mm-hmm. is also being promoted and, and you know in our, in our schools. Yeah. So it means that people are feeling free to free come, to out. come yeah. out. Yeah. But I'm going to say 1.2. Okay. And also there's a high level of tolerance as well True. among the young people. People, exactly. Mm-hmm. But there's still a few because um, I mean my organisation is uh, we're getting invitations you know to schools that are you know church related schools and saying yeah. that you know a lot of our young people are tolerant but some of them are because of their family their parents, background yes, oh yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah yeah definitely yeah definitely yeah so you said 1.1 1. 1. 2 1.2 1. 2. Okay. I have no clue you have no clue the right answer is 1.1 1. 1. okay <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Next question. Which LGBT film won the 2017 Academy Award for Best Picture? Is it A, God's Own Country, B, Call Me By Your Name, or C, Moonlight? Moonlight. It was Moonlight. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> are the other two movies real? Yeah, they are. <laughs> oh, okay. I've watched Call Me By Your Name, but I haven't watched God's Own Country. So, yeah. I have watched God's Own Country. Oh, good. Yeah. Was it good? It's really good. Okay. Okay. I need to watch it. And they're all LGBT films. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I need to watch it. Okay. Next question. Who is the first openly gay rapper to be nominated for a Grammy? Is it A, Lil Nas? Is it B, Jay Z? Or is it C, Nas? Jay Z. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> it's Lil Nas. I totally lost that. I was thinking, I was expecting Frank Ocean to be mentioned. Oh, has he been nominated for? Oh, maybe. Yeah, he's nominated for something. But then he must be. He's bisexual. But he's bisexual. I mean, mean, Lil Nas beat them all, to be quite honest. I should have said that quickly, but I was like, okay, let's run. But (laughs) his song, and there are also innuendos in his song. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But he's brave. I really like him. He's very brave. Actually, he's a good example of the fact that young people don't care. Mm hmm. Yeah, he's quite. How old is he? He's about nine, twenty-one. He's twenty. Yeah, he is young. Yeah. Okay. Who is the first openly drill rapper in the UK? Is it A. Doctor Strange? Is it B. Mrs. Strange? Or is it C. Mr. Strange? I have not. Okay, I know this one. This is recent. <laughs> this, is very this is quite recent. recent. Yeah. yeah, in the UK. It's quite recent in the UK. His name is Mr. Strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he came out. Um, Twitter. Yeah, maybe you've seen on Twitter. Yeah, because yeah. he we, we went viral because yeah. he was he did a freestyle and in the freestyle he mentioned that he's gay and all his friends stopped being friends with him. Yeah, they disowned because him. they disowned him and he's, he's he doesn't care. He just needs to be himself. Yeah, and he went viral and he's quite young yeah. as well, isn't he? Yeah, I don't think he's you even twenty one yet I'm as well. Kudos to all this young yeah. people. Yeah, brave in it. Yeah, I mean, they just they just make things look better for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for people in my generation. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. So that was a game. I hope you enjoyed that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. <laughs> that was fun. Okay. So um, we've been re- like, we're so happy to have you on here today. Thank you. I think yeah, we've, we this are. is like one of the ones that we've been like, really wanted. We really wanted. Yeah. We've been anticipating. Yeah. We're just really excited because I think we have a lot of listeners <laughs> in the community who are sort of like dealing with, you know, their own battles of sort of maintain their faith and still be you know still live their life and live within their truth so we just wanted to touch upon your sort of journey in becoming who you are today as Reverend Jide tell us about how you know you came about becoming a a reverend in the first place and sort of how you had to deal with sort of backlash maybe from the church or maybe from Mm -hmm. your culture so just tell us about your journey how you got to today I think you know I was kind of tempted to say you know my book is coming out soon okay (laughs) that's good Actually, no, the book is far away, but it's, well, we, it's, it's coming. Progress. It is coming. Yeah. No, that's amazing. I mean, I've started to work on the book because it's just so necessary. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. Honestly, I mean, my journey is one that's been filled with pain. Oh, um, wow. it, it's honestly, um, <clears throat> I hope I can get through today without crying. That's the that's wow. the first thing I put down up there. Um, I've always known that I wanted to be a pastor. Excuse mm. me. <clears throat> From when I was about age 12, 13 years old. Oh wow! So it's always been something that you wanted to do. Mm. That's very young. Yes. That is very young. Pastor, yeah, absolutely. But I don't think that my parents were paying attention because they just, you know, Nigerian parents mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. well, you're going to be a doctor, or you're going to be a lawyer, and you're going to be an accountant. Mm-hmm. And they don't actually take into consideration, especially my generation. Did you grow up in the church? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I was, I was born and raised mm-hmm. in a church family mm-hmm. and very Christian conservative family in right. Nigeria. Okay. My father is a pastor. And oh. Mm-hmm. My father is the principal of the second largest theological university in Nigeria. Wow. So you can see <laughs> wow, look at that. <laughs> so, um, I mean, the fact that his son is gay mm. and very public about it yeah. is very problematic for my dad, to mm. be honest. I mean, I'm, let me go back to the question and just take it step by step. Yes. You can interrupt me. We can interact on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I always knew that I wanted to be a pastor when I was very young. And I remember because in Nigeria we had water baptism at the river. So I'm always very proud of this form oh, of baptism. Because yeah. when I look at baptism today, they're very different, you know. Mm-hmm. I had Church that of, kind of baptism as yeah, well. Yeah. It was really mm-hmm. good, the immersion yeah. in the river. Yeah. Oh, mine wasn't the river. Mine was like a makeshift pool. <laughs> yeah, they, in that's, Stratford. That's no, the difference, it was, it, it was even, it was in... Um, Forest Gates. <laughs> uh, this, this was in Lagos. So. Yeah. So the whole experience for me and is kind of also uh, resonant with Jesus Christ's ministry and his call. And I believe in that moment, God was calling me into ministry. Mm. And it was also around the time because I used to study my Bible a lot. In fact, my family and with my siblings, we always win the Bible quiz in church. Right? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, so you, you know it to, inside yeah. and out. So we kind of knew yeah. as much as we can. Mm. I mean, so, but people thought it was always a fix because I died as a pastor. So, <laughs> yeah. But um, nonetheless, I mean, we were quite familiar with the Bible. And I believe that for me personally, I dipped further because when I discovered um, Leviticus chapter, for example, uh, mm-hmm. 18, 22, and 2013, mm-hmm. that clearly says that if a man has sex with another man, it's an abomination mm-hmm. uh, and they should be put to death. Now, mm-hmm. for me at age 13, that was clearly spiritual abuse. 
yeah. in that time. Yes, it's it's serious. I mean, I think there are times where yeah. you, you've got to put um, parental guidance on the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible is also very violent. You know, it actually calls people to kill. Mm-hmm. You know, it, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, the whole Old Testament is about patriarchy, war, misogyny, yeah. and you name it. Yeah. So, I mean, to be quite honest, you've got to guide children in how they interact with the Bible. So right. that was my first, you know, opening issue with the Bible. So when I saw that, I internalized that for a long time. Um. So, and I think that, you know, and the, the other reality is that I grew up in a very African independent yes. church called the Celestial Church of Christ because there's a lot of them in London as well. Oh, was that the one that wear yeah. the white gowns? The white gowns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, wow. for me, it was a lovely experience and I still hold the value of that church up to today. But yeah. I don't go there mm-hmm. uh, just because of the, my own journey of excommunication from the church. Mm-hmm. But having said that, you know, the other reality for me is that when I, as I was growing up and I would think about, you know, same-sex attraction mm-hmm. or even if I kiss somebody and I go into one of the rituals in the church about uncleanliness and yeah. cleanliness. And even though it didn't apply to me as a boy, it applies to women and girls mm-hmm. who are going through the menstrual, monthly menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. So women who go through the monthly menstrual cycle in this particular church are considered unclean. Yeah. Oh. Once a month. Okay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then they have to come to the church. Mm-hmm. Now at the entrance of the church, with a bucket of, I mean, I can, it's like I can see your expression. It's, it's painful for me, but. Because it's for natural. People, for, people, for people listening to this, you mm-hmm. can see how silly it looks mm-hmm. now. I mean, they have to come to the church with a bucket of water to be prayed for by a man, of course, of course. For, the, for them to be clean. Mm-hmm. And then they go and have a shower with the water, and then they are clean after that. Now, imagine me mm-hmm. as a young gay boy mm-hmm. going through my own um, period of. Um, my same-sex attraction, mm-hmm. and even if I had any kind of sexual contact with anyone, I feel unclean. Yeah, I feel dirty. Then I have to, you know, go mm-hmm. and make those prayers. Mm-hmm. And, and then people start asking questions, you know, J.D., why are you always having these prayers? And I, I couldn't even provide the answers. So... Aww. And growing up in that environment really was quite traumatic for me. Wow. But of course, you know, I mean, let me let me fast track to um, I'll go back to maybe one or two things later. But fast track to when I then went my 17th, 18th birthday. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I was now in England, and um, I haven't stopped being gay. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, and um, I went to the same church tradition here in England, mm-hmm. uh, in London, in North London to be precise. And um, when I joined the community there, you know, it was almost like just moved from Nigeria to here. You know, very lovely community. Yeah. Very centered with our culture, Nigeria and everything. So I got mm-hmm. stuck in straight away. Oh, was that without the family or was that that's, with your... Actually, that's without the family. Yeah. But okay. my siblings were here. So oh, okay. Yeah. We, we all went to the same church, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for uh, much more longer together. Now... The other reality here is that I am still gay and I'm struggling. So, you know, when I was at college and, and you know, university, mm-hmm. I was gay. I was seeing other gay people, but I, I was also within the church community yeah. where I was really afraid, you know. And the other thing I always say, you know, when I talk about my experiences is that whilst I was in church, I met more gay people in church. Wow, look at that. <laughs> I'm church. not surprised. <laughs> and it's happening in every church community I've been. There are more gay people. Mm. We know each other. Yeah. Mm. You understand me? And the reality is that sometimes, you know, we, we have sex, sex with each other. Mm. And we still go to the same church. But I think that the reality is that there are problems because we're both, we're all in denial mm-hmm. of these facts that we are sexually attracted to yeah. each other. Or rather that we've engaged with each other other to some extent you know I mean and uh, but for me because I was also battling 
what the Bible says, yes. what the church says, mm-hmm. and what my body is saying, mm-hmm. that created a lot of conflict for me. Mm-hmm. So somewhere between the age of 18 and 20, I really entered into a period of prayer, intense prayer. Yes. Because you see, in the, in the independent African independent church that I know of, um, we take prayer very seriously. Ask any African Nigerian oh, yes. mm-hmm. person, yeah. prayer is the answer mm-hmm. to everything. Yeah. So, I mean, the pattern is that, you know, if you want to pray for God to bless your day, it's a quick prayer. Yeah. Um, if it's serious, then you consider fasting, fasting one yep. day. <laughs> then three days fasting is when it's more serious. Yeah. Then seven days fasting. <laughs> but guess what? The ultimate number of days of fasting is 40 days. Yep. That's the one that Jesus did to mm-hmm. defeat Satan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I needed that. Yeah. Mm. So, um, just, I think, around about when I turned 20 or something like that, you know, I turned to God that, look, I'm tired of my sexuality and mm-hmm. I need this to go. So, essentially, you were praying the gay away. So, I was praying in my gay away. Mm, 40 yeah. days of fasting and praying. Wow. And people were asking me questions. Is everything okay? I couldn't mm-hmm. even tell them what the reason I was praying yeah. for. Oof. But, you know, honestly, I mean, the, the other reality is that, you know, um, at the end of my 40 days, you know, th- this is some of the patterns of praying and I have learned better you know we will pray and we will put a fleece out to God Mm. you know we have examples in the Bible you know God um, um, Isaac's parents prayed for a wife for Isaac Mm. and they put a fleece out if you give Isaac a wife this is what we would do if you give Jacob a wife this is what we would do that's how we pray yeah (laughs) that's how we pray so I was praying to God that God please if you cure me of my sexuality if you give me a wife Mm -hmm. a a girlfriend or whatever it is and then I believe I'm no longer gay listen after 40 days of praying there was this really pretty girl in my church (laughs) you know with the best courage that I can summon Mm. I went up to her and asked if she would go out with me Mm -hmm. and of course you know like I said I'm so pretty (laughs) She said yes. She said yes. <laughs> and 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 then, and then with all due respect and 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 also with a great degree of honesty, I in that moment believe in a miraculous working girl that has killed yeah, me. Yeah, you must have. Yeah, my same gender attraction that now I have a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Honestly, in that moment, it felt great. Mm-hmm. It felt amazing, and um. Initially, I didn't have a problem, you know, resuming a sexual relationship with this girl. Mm-hmm. But again, we kept our distance in terms of we live apart for mm-hmm. two years. And then as soon as we started dating, because we're also from the same church community, you know, we introduced ourselves as a couple. And, you know, the Nigerian community... They were really happy a bit. We're very happy. Yeah. yeah. And then we started wearing matching clothes. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> we appear at parties together. Yes. Goals. Yes. <laughs> And, um, I mean, two years into the relationship, of course, um, we were living, I was living in East London, she was living in North London, mm-hmm. and it was, like, ridiculous, this mm-hmm. journey. Mm-hmm. Um, even at the time, I think we both drive as well, so um, we would drive to each other, it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, we just talk about moving in together. Wow. Was, that was a, a mm-hmm. big step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we moved in together, and then, you know, two years later, now we're a four-year four relationship. Years, yeah. It was in that second two years of a relationship that Mm. I started to feel the pressure Mm. of this relationship. And the other thing is that I didn't actually realize that women flirt with me. 
mm-hmm. because I wasn't attracted to women, mm-hmm. even though I've got my own girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And if we're together socially, um, at the end of the time when everyone's gone home, mm-hmm. then my girlfriend would pick a fight with me about, why did you allow her to touch you that Yeah. Way? And I go, <laughs> women. <laughs> women are crazy. I'm, I didn't even notice. Yeah. Honestly, in my mind, I'm trying to prevent how I was feeling about the guy mm. across the room. Yeah. Was, wow. I mean, it was... Maybe thinking about no, women. Yeah. No. And I think that, you know, they, 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 this continued and... Um, but I think that, you know, um, I think I kind of deviated from the question I was talking about my whole journey. But I, the, the reality for me is that reconciling my faith and sexuality came with a great history mm-hmm. of how I came to this point of reconciling. But honestly, I can't talk about the reconciling without talking about the pain and the journey. Yeah, and of course. Yeah. The manner of deception, the denial, mm-hmm. the shame and the guilt that I went through even in that time. But having said that... Um, it was then, after four years of being together, yeah. um, the church now knew that we lived together. So we were kind of summoned, you know, mm-hmm. in a friendly way to say, look, you know, we're Christians, you know, you you're good married. for each other, you have to get married. Especially you now you live well. together as well. Yeah. Yeah. We're living together, yeah. we make good of everything and so on. And um, so we agreed, you know, I mean... Um, Half of our parents were in Nigeria. My mom, actually, my parents are in Nigeria. Yeah. Her dad was in Nigeria. So we traveled to Nigeria to go talk about the marriage. Okay. And, oh, because this is very serious stuff. Yeah. And it was yeah. serious. So it was wow. all fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, I met a family, more extended family. And, you know, I mean, the, the reality is that people always ask me, did you love her? I love this woman. Yeah, I was going to mm-hmm. ask that. <laughs> I love her. And I yeah. still do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I still do. But I think that the reality is that I was not fully... Um, I didn't fully recognize my sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was a challenge that many people don't see and in a mixed sexual orientation relationship. Mm-hmm. And there will always be problems at yeah. some point. And I think that for me, um, when we... Now we're planning to get married. Mm-hmm. Goodness me. And um, <laughs> it got serious. Yes, yeah. and we came back to London, started to arrange the wedding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole drama about it, you know, I think I was probably more of the Godzilla in the wedding. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, the bride's in love. Yeah. <laughs> I was more demanding. Than yeah. I want this, I want that. I want this. Yeah. And then... And, and I think that, you know, I talk about the wedding or rather the week up to the wedding. It was very traumatic. I think that was the time that I really was now thinking, goodness me, am I really going to do this? This is the right thing, yeah. And l- let me just put it on the record. At that time, I was 24 years old. Um, I was still struggling with my sexuality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some of my friends, gay friends at church, mm-hmm. you know, were happy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because, is that because they wanted to be in a position that you were? Well, one, they wanted to be in a position where, um, and I think that it also helps to cover up their own secret. Oh, well, okay, yeah. You know, that we're all friends. But I mean, I, I think there are way, there are things along the way that I believe that my ex-wife now will have noticed but didn't pay attention, attention to. Attention to, yeah. For example, one time she said to me, I mean, you, your friends have strange behavior. <laughs> you know? mm. And I, why? And because when they call the house, because back then we don't have mobile phones. Yeah. yeah. When they call the house, they don't stay, you don't stay on the phone for long. Oh, she didn't understand why. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, usually it's like, we're probably talking about we're going out socially. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Because I didn't actually kind of 100% give, give up my social life. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, so when we're planning to go out, you know, the missus don't have to know with it. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like things like that. But again, this is the, the, the danger of secrets and silence yep. in a relationship. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell her everything. Right. Yeah. So 
I mean, the other reality is that, of course, when we got married, um, uh, I always go by my wedding day. I think I was probably more flamboyant than anything else. <laughs> what colour was your suit? Um, actually, it was olive green. Oh, okay. oh nice. Okay. okay. <laughs> olive green. And, um, and of course, you know Nigerians, we have to change clothes. Traditional and wear. And mm-hmm. My husband was very much like a trainer. Wow. <laughs> I love it. And, love and, it. And, and on my wedding day, I sat on the couch almost like, you know, slant to the side. You know, Are you pose, opposing? You know. The diva was coming out. I know, I'm thinking, when I look at this picture, I said, did anyone notice anything on that day? Um, you know, maybe they did, but they really wanted this for you. Yeah. And they thought, oh, yeah, it was just change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, I think that, I mean, the, the you see, the, the, the outward part of any relationship is mm-hmm. what we see. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you look at social media today, you see a couple holding hands. Yeah, you think everything's we, good. You know, when they close the door we, of their house, you don't know what's, what's going, going on. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You know, the, the mental health, the anxiety mm-hmm. for me was now kicking in because now... I'm under pressure. Yeah. I'm married. Mm-hmm. And um, it was when my wife started to say to me, we need to make babies. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, How wow. yeah. you know, what's going on here? Mm. And then that was when the pressure, because I didn't actually understand um, window of conception. Mm. So, and I think, oh my God, really? And <laughs> for me, it's like, I want to watch television. I want to do something. I'm going to watch. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. So, um, and I think the pressure was there. And of course, being Nigerian, being Yoruba as mm-hmm. well, there's also the cultural thing. Yes. That, you know, within nine months of the marriage, you, you have, have to a son. to bed. <laughs> uh, yeah. But there was pressure. Mm-hmm. And it, it took time for her to conceive. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't years. It, it, it just took a long time and it put me under a lot of pressure and stress. Yeah. And when she finally got pregnant, I was relieved. Mm. Um, and then, you know, we, we gave back to a, a baby boy. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, so. That's so cute. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> so, I mean, he's 27 years old now, so oh. that's, that's a long time ago. Mm. Yeah. But I think that, you know, the reality is that, of course, my relationship with her was now in trouble because I was feeling all manner of withdrawal, I feel like all manner of breakdown, mm-hmm. and um, it was difficult for me to even carry out my religious and spiritual duties mm-hmm. because I was always thinking about what am I going to do. So just before my uh, son was two years old, you know, I mean, I came home one day in tears and, you know, I broke down and um, I told her that I'm gay, uh, I'm struggling. Wow. Oh my God. And... Um, what was her reaction? Oh, my God. I'm trying to put myself together. <laughs> oh, um, You know, she looked at me um, with a mixture of fear, disgust, and confusion. And mm. the only word that she uttered in that moment is, I can't compete with this. And I knew that we, we've been competing mm-hmm. with something that we couldn't yeah. handle. Mm-hmm. And I think that is part of that reality in that moment. And um, so we were trying to work out what do we do next? Mm-hmm. How do mm-hmm. we move forward? Yeah. And um, Especially because the love was there as the, well. Mm-hmm. The love was yeah. there. There was no doubt for me. I mean, she loved me. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that. And I love her too. But the, the whole misunderstanding mm-hmm. of... Being gay, mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking now, this is 1994. 
Wow. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. um, if that was a whole different yeah, time, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Time altogether. And uh, so we tried to work it out for a few months, and things weren't working out. And unfortunately, she broke down as well. And I believe she told her family, then she mm-hmm. told the elders of the church, or maybe some of her family, to the elders of the wow. church. It became extremely acrimonious. I was mm-hmm. accused of so many things. I was accused that I've inflicted her with AIDS um, wow. and that I'm a child of the devil. I was threatened that I'm never going to see my child and then well it, they said if I was gay then I can't make children and all of those things scared the life out of me wow. and um, I bet know, it took you back to the 13 year old boy it, that were having mm-hmm. these feelings yes. mm-hmm. it, took, yeah. it took me back I mean can you, it, you know, those period just started to go forwards and backwards mm-hmm. in my mind and um I think that obviously the, the the end part of that was that the the church then got involved, yeah, and they helped to kick me out of my home. Wow. So um, I didn't know what to do because I didn't know where to get help from. You know, the idea of a new gay, mm-hmm. what does new gay people do? Mm-hmm. Where do I go? I have no idea at all. Um, the only knowledge I had was my gay friends yeah. from church, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. Um, and when I was going through this period of divorce, um, many of them said that I should not divorce because I shouldn't tell her I shouldn't divorce. Yeah. Her. If I do, they would not be my friend anymore. Oh. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Many so of them. So they weren't willing to take many, you in. No, no, they were true to that. It's not even just taking me in. You know, just to be you there for you, isn't it? Yeah. You yeah. To be there and support mm-hmm. you. Um, many of them were true to their words, and up to today, I haven't had another conversation. So they're with still wow. living in the closet, sort yeah. of. Yeah. I mean, some of them got married mm-hmm. as well. So, but I mean, today when someone says, oh, do you know so-and-so? I say, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they probe it, but how do you know? You know, sometimes the conversation comes yeah. up because now... Yeah, because they probably know, they're yeah. suspecting, yeah. 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 It's very interesting how, you know, the, when you think about, like, Christian people, there's was like, good people and stuff, but they help to kick you out of your house. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that means how, how much of a good Christian are you really... If you're willing to do that to, a person. That to someone, you, you both make good points. I mean, um, to be quite honest, it made me even question my own journey of faith. But mm. I think that the more I grow, the more I can see the differences between myself and other Christians mm-hmm. because I'm dealing with a challenge that the world cannot handle. But I know that my God can handle all of these things. So um, it, when they helped to kick me out, I was hoping that they will help you know, with a journey that will reconcile and help to understand. And mm. the fact that they kicked me out is also a reminiscence of the fact that I couldn't approach the elders mm. to tell mm-hmm. them my real concern. Yeah. When I was making those prayers for 40 days mm-hmm. and 40 nights, yeah. they should have been there to help me out. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, they have no skills. They have no uh, expertise yeah. in homosexuality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe that if I had approached them, matters would have been worse. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I have grown... And I've come to understand that, you know, being gay means God adores me mm-hmm. and God accepts me. So, yeah. uh, But I think that it, it's, it's actually more than that. It's a journey in itself. So when I got kicked out of the church, because I have devoted my life from, let's just say, from when I was in my childhood, especially yeah. from 13 years old up to that point, mm-hmm. I have served the church in Nigeria and also in England. And um, I got kicked out. Yeah. It was painful. I didn't even know where to go when it comes to church. I didn't know where to go when it comes to the gay community. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, the good news is that, honestly, I grew up in a church and family environment where, you know, I didn't see 
or recognize the culture of drug or alcohol abuse. So mm-hmm. none of those things happened. I didn't turn to drugs. I did not turn to alcohol. So mm-hmm. none of those was part of my story of my life. Yeah, that's good. So, mm-hmm. um, but in terms of getting help, I tried to do it myself. Yeah. But I also tried to look out for the gay community. When I found the gay community in London, they were mostly white people. Yeah. So, again, yeah. I didn't recognise this community. Right. So it wasn't really a black scene it at wasn't, the time. No, I didn't find a black scene yeah. until much, much later. I'm not surprised. And, um, and then this question is, what do you do as a gay person? Mm-hmm. I've, as a young person, I've never been... I never went to club, so... Because but, everything was new. Yeah, yeah. Everything was new. So I started going to a club and I would come home feeling disgusted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are the days where you smoke inside the club. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. From my hair to my toes Smelling and my clothes cigarette. and I smell of cigarette. It was mm-hmm. like just so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know. Um and I think obviously uh over the years, I think there was a time maybe close to the late nineteen nineties and the early 2000s mm-hmm. I had to make friends that were black and gay. Yeah. And then, you know, we lounge in my home and I visit them in their home and then we come together. Mm-hmm. I, most of them are still my friends up to today. That's still great. But I think that the other thing is that, honestly, when I was excommunicated from my church, I didn't go to church for about two years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, this was the days where you can watch a church program on television mm-hmm. or you can listen to them on radio. Yeah. So I got really, really um, interested in a church I was listening to on radio and mm-hmm. they had all these ministers from America flying in. So I decided one day that I'm going to go to this particular church in East London, um, you know, called Glory Bible Church at the time, and mm-hmm. it's now called Glory House. So, oh, Glory House, I've heard of Glory House, yeah. yeah. And then, so I decided to go to this church. Um, I think it was 96, yeah, so about 96, mm-hmm. yeah. And honestly, when I arrived at the church, you know, now I've had two years of coming out, yeah. Um, I've maintained a group of gay friends, so mm-hmm. I socialize and yeah. Now that I'm gay, but I was missing that part of my spiritual journey. I really want to go to church and fellowship. So I started to go to this church, and the the biggest joke with God, honestly, I said the biggest (laughs) joke with God is that we can run, but we cannot hide. Mm -hmm. I remember that day very well. When I arrived on the entrance of the church, there was a gay man on the door. Eh? Yes. (laughs) Hallelujah, somebody. Amen. There was a gay man on the door, and when I saw him, um, he welcomed me with such gesture. And he goes, hi, welcome to church. And then, I mean, honestly, Pentecostal churches are very friendly churches, mm-hmm. you know, before we even get further. So he took my Bible and my notebook and then he kind of sashayed down <laughs> out of the church, you know, to locate my seat. Mm-hmm. And then I sat down. And then, you know, I was in, I was in that moment, I was so shocked. I didn't even know what to do with myself. I was twitching, you know, should I leave? Should mm-hmm. I stay? And this was like five minutes into the service, you know, the greetings had started, the music worship had started. Mm-hmm. And I think about 15 minutes later, it's a vacancy that he came and sat in that set. And I'm thinking, oh God, this is... <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Seriously. And this was the days that they give you a bulletin, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so towards the end of the service, I mean, the service was on in an hour. It was beautiful. The music was yeah. great. And the sermon was amazing. Honestly, that first day, I couldn't concentrate because I'm seeing another game. <laughs> yeah, in church. So what made the day even more eventful was that towards the end, you know, he took my bulletin mm-hmm. and then he wrote his name and phone number, passed it back to me and said, call me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, listen, I just come out as gay. So I think like, okay, this is what you do at the club. You 
put your number phone number yeah. on a piece of paper and ask them to call mm-hmm. you. And I said, God, Jesus, this is not church, really. I mean, I became friends with this guy. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, nothing came out of it. That's that's beyond just being friends at church. Mm-hmm. But I think that the other thing I also recognized at church is that I started to notice others. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that I also was very mindful of when people pay me compliments mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. when they say, my God, you know, your, your shirt just looks well ironed and mm-hmm. your, your haircut <laughs> is sharp. I'm thinking... <laughs> when are you going to ask for And there was one guy who was so observant and he mm-hmm. goes, GD, you're the only one in the kitchen department. Is everything okay with you? Mm-hmm. Listen, darling, I love cooking. Yes. Mm-hmm. So why I'm not part of the kitchen department? You know, that kind of thing. So this must be with women in the kitchen department. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quite patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Kind of Men are really good cooks as well. A lot of the guys I know Guys are good at everything. Hair, yeah. makeup, hair. all those things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, my journey with the church was good, um, but unfortunately, four years later, um, you know, uh, 2000, I did a documentary with Channel 4 at the time. Uh, the, the title of the documentary film is called Black, Bent and Beautiful. Ooh, I love it. Black, Bent and Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was a good documentary. Um, there were four of us that were featured in it. Yeah. And um, the other three were amazingly courageous and powerful people. Uh, they all showed their faces in the documentary. Mm, wow. uh, when they came to film me, I remember when they came to film in my home um it's like it's like when you just see your future in front of you mm-hmm. i should say no i don't want to be part of this anymore mm-hmm. uh, and they convinced me that my story was strong mm-hmm. and they would silhouette me mm-hmm. but unfortunately they did a bad job of it for example i used to ride a red bright red bicycle mm-hmm. everywhere for oh, years so i was riding the bicycle in the documentary so, so everyone knew it was you bike. yeah um, i used to have a coat that looks like colombo's coat uh, <laughs> that i wore for years mm-hmm. everyone knew that was me uh, the bridge of my glasses was shown in the documentary the back mm-hmm. of my head as we were walking in the park mm-hmm. i mean it was oh, the I days love. where silhouettes was just bad yeah so when and this was also the days of vhs videos so everyone had like two fingers and just pull down record <laughs> and, and record this documentary passed wow. it on to the oh, pastors of the church and then oh, I got called in mm-hmm. and asked was that you in the documentary and then I said yes yeah. mm. I mean I said yes with fear and tears and you know mm. and then they started to pray for me and that God is going to kill me mm-hmm. and in that moment I have to say to everyone listening and to you that I wanted to believe that they were right and that I was wrong yeah I was desperate again for them to help me. So yeah. I I ran to them, I cried, and then they prayed for me, uh, lay hands on me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they had to step on me to press me. Step on you? Yeah, step wow. on me to press me. And they called me names like contaminated sores. Is this, I had was to this make like confession. a sort of, um, what's that thing called? When conversion. They, conversion, is yeah, it like it that? Is, it, is, it is, well, a spiritual healing. Mm-hmm. And I also okay, went yeah. through a period of conversion you, yeah, uh, therapy yeah. where I have to read Bible texts and make confessions mm-hmm. and go to prayers and and things like that and that went on for probably about maybe two months or more and um but of course word has gone out to the rest of the church community Mm -hmm. and you know they were uh insatiable and and snide remarks so when you come through church, so when, you when will I come through church, you know, be talking. Oh, that's him. Yeah. Oh, I will go okay. quiet when I come closer. That must have done a lot to your mental health. Uh, it, it, it actually impacted my mental health. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, um, I have been through a lot. I have 
Seriously, seriously, and I, I always admit this, I've considered suicide yeah. several times. Mm -hmm. I, sometimes I've acted on it, yeah. but I mean, just the thought of it alone has impacted me. Mm -hmm. um, there was a time that I believed that God don't love me, seriously. Um, so when this happened and I said to myself, this is the last, this is the last straw with church, mm -hmm. I'm done. And, yeah. uh, and I think I published a book of poetry called uh, Poetry Inspired just before the excommunication from the church. Now, when one of my friends read the manuscript, mm -hmm. you know, she was just going through every single page. It goes sad, 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 mm -hmm. sad. Mm -hmm. Because within the lines of my poem, I was seriously writing about my pain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that she recognized that, Jide, you're going through a lot here. Yeah. How are you coping? How are you managing? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it wasn't easy, but honestly, with my poem, I also recognize the power of scriptures right. that's helped to guide me and, mm -hmm. and help me through many of my days. Yeah. But after I was I left the church, I mean, literally, I would say that this church did actually did not say don't come. Yeah. Okay. You know? That's good. Um, but keeping me there was far more painful, damaging, and destructive. So oh, I so actually took myself away. Yeah, I yeah. kind of walked away mm -hmm. from this. I can't call. Yeah. But actually, before before that, there was one incident, um, a couple of incidents. I was in prayer one day, and this guy came along and laid hands on me, saying that, you know, uh, God will bless you with a wife. I tell you one thing, in that moment, my whole demeanor changed. Mm -hmm. I turned around, I pushed him, you wow. know, and, and I screamed and yelled in mm -hmm. the middle of the prayer, I don't want a wife, I don't want a wife, I don't want you to pray for me. And I ran out mm -hmm. of the prayer uh, room and, um, you know, this girl ran after me, you know, to stop me, to console me. Um, amazing woman, I won't say her name, but we're still mm -hmm. friends today. Mm -hmm. But oh. I think that, you know, the, the other reality is that, um, after that, you know, like I said, I walked away from the church. I just stayed at home. I wasn't ready to go to church. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I don't know. There's something about two-year gap from church. But two years later, um, there were a group of people visiting from South Africa, and I hosted some of them in my home. Yeah. They were musicians, and, you know, yeah, they would go about, <laughs> they would go about their business. Yeah. You know? So I just kind of, like, cater for them, mm -hmm. you know, mealtime and so on. And every time they go out and come back, they say, Judy, we're going to church. We're back from church. I say, listen, I'm uh, done. Yeah, yeah. I've been I'm there, done, done that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there, done that. And I mm -hmm. think that you know, the other reality is that they left me a phone number of a church, and I called the church after three weeks, after they left the country. And um, I was surprised. The church mm -hmm. is called the Metropolitan Community Church, where... Everybody there is gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, mm. and at the t I mean, I think the church is over fifty years old now. Yeah. When it starts, is it in um, South London? Is it? No, there's one in South London, one in East London, and one in North. Oh, London. there's more the than one. one. Okay. okay. Yeah, the one yeah. I went to was in North London. I don't know if all of them, but the, I know that the one in North London is still active. Okay. Mm. Now they're in Camden Town, but I think that the reality is that when I contacted the pastor of the church and I told him my story, he invited me over. Mm -hmm. to the church and you, there are many parts that I've kind of like cut out because I'm trying to keep the conversation short but I mean I was ordained um, a clergy in 98 by my father mm -hmm. so and this is after my divorce because yeah. I tried to tell my father that I'm gay I tried to tell him but 
at the time I couldn't because mm-hmm. of the environment and you know uh, I'm trying to manage his own expectations yes, yeah. so when he ordained me he a minister know. he didn't know well, I was still struggling mm-hmm. and I I honestly speaking while he ordained me 100% a minister I couldn't accept the ordination in my heart 100% because yeah. I was still struggling yeah. with one aspect of me mm-hmm. so from 98 to 2003 it took me really that long mm-hmm. for me to find myself that is uh, what five years or six mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. I mean it, it was it was it was it was challenging for me because I couldn't honestly present myself as a clergy when I'm still struggling yeah. with my sexuality. I needed mm-hmm. answers. So when I joined the Metropolitan Community Church, that's when I started to get answers. You know, I did a, a two-year training mm-hmm. um, plus academic training in the U.S., at the Pacific School of Religion, mm-hmm. where I learned more about inclusive theology, liberation theology, queer theology. And it was in that moment that the scale started to drop mm-hmm. about, wow, you know, from Genesis through to Revelation, we were studying what the Bible says or didn't say about sexuality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with my work with House of Rainbow, um, once a year, we have uh, a training section, and this year is going to be on the second and the ninth of May. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. we're going to have a, a, a full day intensive training from ten a.m. to four p.m. on what the Bible says in favor of same-sex relationships. Okay, yeah. I think I need yeah. to. Um, yeah, we'll attend be attending. Yeah, we'll yeah. Be I, I definitely need to be yeah. there. We are we are cracking the code mm-hmm. and exposing mm-hmm. the lies, mm-hmm. uh, debunking the myths about sexuality. You know, honestly, I mean, when people talk about Leviticus, is very clear. Yes. Leviticus says if a man has sex with another man it's an abomination and they should be put to death. Mm-hmm. Now, does England have the death penalty? No. no. Exactly. I mean, a few verses mm-hmm. before the one that condemns homosexuality it says that if a man commits adultery with mm-hmm. his neighbor's wife both of them should be put to death. When was the last time we condemned people committing Never. adultery? Yeah. Now, the Bible, also the same Bible says that if a girl is not a virgin on the night of her wedding, mm-hmm. That she should be put to death. There are loads of women. <laughs> so many things. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's like you know, you can't just pick and choose. You know, and I'm not, I'm not asking people to throw away the Bible. I love the Bible. The Bible for me is a library of books. Mm-hmm. You know, that brought mm-hmm. a lot of knowledge together. And in order for us to understand the library of books, let us then begin to look at what are the other books mm-hmm. that spoke, mm-hmm. you know, similar narratives around the time. Now, I was reading a book recently um, uh, called um, Velvet Rage uh, by Alan Downs. It's a good book, mm-hmm. you know, for gay men who have struggled with their sexuality yeah. and coming out and so on and so forth. The book, the narratives were set in the 1980s when they didn't have mobile phones. So when yeah. they talk about someone pull up in a driveway to use the phone box to yeah. make a call, mm-hmm. I'm thinking in my head, can't they just make a call from the mobile phone? <laughs> so it's the same thing as well with the Bible. You've yeah. got to put it in context of the time. Of the time. Yeah. And for us to understand some of the literatures in the Bible, we also need other social mm-hmm. literatures that's not necessarily the Bible. And there are many things in the Bible. Um, the, the, the Bible, yes, is the inspired word of God, mm-hmm. but not everything in the Bible is the word of God. Could, would you say that some things have been lost in translation? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Many things have been lost in translation. I mean, sometimes the translation also comes mm-hmm. from the social location of the translator. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. So mm-hmm. as a woman, you will translate the Bible differently mm-hmm. as I would as a mm-hmm. man, a cisgender man, yeah. for example. As a black man, mm-hmm. I will translate the Bible differently as opposed to a white mm-hmm. man who translate the Bible. Yeah. I mean, take for example, 12 Year a Slave. I hope that people watch that. Yeah, yeah I did yeah. watch that. Right. Yeah. They can go back and watch it again. Mm-hmm. I think there are three examples of how the Bible was used in that film. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
they, they put it in. There was the example of the slave, yep. and there's example of the bond slave, those who have privileges, who are now serving tea. Yeah, and, the, the, the one house, in the house, the house yeah, slaves, yeah. House slaves. yeah. And then also the slave masters. Yep. Mm-hmm. So those three categories of people use the Bible differently. Yeah. And I think that is exactly where we are. So when a, a white slave master is saying, you know, servants, obey your masters mm-hmm. in the Lord, mm-hmm. it's oppression. Yeah. You understand me? And even the same test can be used by the slave to say, if I obey my masters, I'm going to get promotion. Yeah. Get and it's two different yeah. translations. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And that is exactly the same as well when you look at LGBT uh, issues in the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's actually how we translate it. I'm encouraging people who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, uh, intersex, queer plus communities mm-hmm. that if you have a desire to train for ministry to become mm-hmm. a clergy in the church, go for it. Yeah. Because when we do this, we make ourselves available to people like us in future. Yeah. I just, yeah. You I know. wanted to say that. I know going back to your bouts of like mental health, I wanted to say that I'm so glad that you're here today mm-hmm. because we need you. Me, myself, I dealt with like sort of battling my faith and my sexuality around 18 because before I went to university, I was in the church quite a lot. I was writing poetry for the church and reading out on the church and stuff. I was very much like in the there. Well. Yeah. Poetry, mm-hmm. dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, was I was involved and when I went to uni I was isolated so then I have more time to think about my sexuality and I really 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 struggled and after that I was like if I, I felt like I couldn't be a Christian and gay and I felt like a lot of LGBT plus people battle with that same yeah. thing so a lot of people even they message us as well and they yeah. say things like oh I, I want I'm, I think I'm gay but I'm a Christian how do I how, do yeah. how do they both coincide yeah. I, I think I think honestly I have a lot of message and I hope that you know we can continue to do this because one of the things is that no one, no one, you know, mm-hmm. even uh, Pope Francis of the Catholic mm-hmm. Church, you know, uh, even the head of the Anglican Church, no one has the monopoly to the presence of God. Mm-hmm. So, and no one can tell you what God think about you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only for you. Each and every one of us are unique and we have the unique key into the access of God. Mm-hmm. You understand know, To the presence of God. We yeah. have that access. It's direct. No one can take you on that journey. And I think, unfortunately, the, the church has lied to us. They've lied to our parents. You know, they have used uh, legal provisions mm-hmm. like, you know, the penal code and the same-sex marriage prohibition act yeah. in Nigeria, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. to demonize the LGBT community. What I say to people is that, you know, look at Romans chapter 9, verse 25 and 26. It says that those who were not loved shall be called beloved. Right? Mm -hmm. So LGBT people who are not loved shall be called beloved. Mm -hmm. The second verse says in the very place where it is said to them, you are not my people, Mm -hmm. there they shall be called children of the living God. I think, Mm -hmm. what kind of conclusion do we need? You know, in places, even right here in the UK, within communities, Mm -hmm. where they've said that we are not a people. Look, that's what, look at, we just did a quiz earlier on. These Nas won one of the Grammy Awards. Mm -hmm. What more proof do you want to show that we are resourceful, Mm -hmm. we are amazing people? Yeah. And look at the laws in Uganda, Nigeria, Malawi. I know that we're extending this conversation outside there. Mm -hmm. But this is where I say, in the very place where we have been condemned, we shall be called children of the living God. But we need 
need to put in work in that journey of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. The Bible says many things as well. Psalm 139, you know, verse 14, 15, it says that, you know, um, for we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Mm -hmm. uh, Jeremiah 1, 4, 5 says, God knew us before we were formed in our yep. mother's womb mm -hmm. and consecrated us prophet over nations. People are scared of the gay, of the gay community because we are prophets. Mm -hmm. We yeah. are amazing human beings. You know, on the way here this morning, I just tweeted and I said, you know what? Um, I think gay men are just so beautiful. I love them. Creatures. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I was like, thinking of my moment of lust, like, okay. <laughs> I love, I love, you know, seriously. But I think that the thing is that we, we live in a society that truly does not understand human mm -hmm. sexuality, nor do they understand the mind of God. Yes. Because... I mean, if God did not have a hand in homosexuality, we have to ask the question, why are we still existing today? Mm. You understand me? The penal code that was introduced during colonialism should have wiped us out. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, people are fighting against what does not need fighting against. Yeah, oh. You know, homosexuality doesn't need to be healed. It needs to be left alone. No, yeah. yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and there are a couple other films that I think people might want to look out for. Blackbird. Mm. You know, watch Blackbird. No. Um, it was actually produced by Ian Polk, Patrick Ian Polk. Uh, I always say his name right. Yeah, Patrick Ian Polk in America. And um, it, it's a story of a young black gay boy mm -hmm. who did not want to accept that he's gay. Everyone around him knew he was gay, but yeah. not him. Mm -hmm. And he grew up in church as well, mm -hmm. and which is fan fantastic, a black family as well. There's another film called uh, Prayer for Bobby, based on a true life story. Actually, they're both true stories. Yeah. Uh, but this one particularly was very moving. Unfortunately, the young boy committed suicide mm -hmm. before his mother and the rest of his family started to question what they've been taught right. in their church oh. about homosexuality. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, she also joined um, the, the Pride Parade supporting parents and families mm -hmm. of LGBT people. Mm -hmm. But they've lost a child. It took a death. Yeah. Yeah. It took a death, yeah. yeah. So, and I think that, you know, that for us to avoid that, we need a lot of work. Mm -hmm. I mean, my organization, House of Rainbow, we do a lot of work supporting LGBT people, particularly starting with Black African Caribbean families. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Um, and uh, not because of the obvious reasons, but because it's more difficult within our own community. Mm -hmm. If you look at the statistics of mental health, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. it's critical. The church look at mental health like, we're just going to lay hands on you and it's going to fly it, away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. When you have abuse a gay person for decades mm -hmm. it deposits so many toxins in them mm -hmm. that sometimes they don't even see mm -hmm. the abuse so I mean we can call it the Stockholm Syndrome that many people stay, stay in the church yep. where the mm -hmm. abuse is taking place mm -hmm. you know when I mean for me I went through physical abuse at church as you see, the beating yeah. and the laying yeah. of my yeah. hands and things like that, they were physical abuse. Um, I went through a emotional abuse mm -hmm. where the, the, the conversation, I mean, do you know how many Sundays I sat through church, you know, particularly during gay pride season or during Father's Day, mm -hmm. where they're talking about fathers, you know, look after your children so they don't become a sissy yeah. or gay. Mm. And I sit in that same church service, you know what I mean? And of course, you know, the neglect as well. And, you know, and, and I think that other people will have suffered sexual abuse as well. Yeah. Like use them around their sexuality. Mm -hmm. um, and we've seen that in many other places where, you know, for lesbians, they've corrective rape. Yep. And, and, you know, if you have sex with a man, you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. You'll be healed mm -hmm. of being attracted to women. Yep. And these are absolutely ridiculous things to say to anybody. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot to do. And um, uh, the, the other work that we're doing at House of Rainbow is supporting families. We've had families call us mm -hmm. to say, you know, what can they do to understand the... 
LGBT identified person in their family and also vice versa. So we've had people say, what can I do to help my parents? Yes, so yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's really good work. Mm-hmm. I know that I probably a few years ago I could have used that as well for, for my family. But the thing is that we still know people <laughs> yeah, we, that we, could, yeah, that could like, use even within this, our own circle, yeah. the friends, mm-hmm. like, there are still people. We, we used to have a friend that um, she's really heavy in the church. She's re- all about her faith and she always has been. And she was kind of struggling with her sexuality and then we became friends with her. She had this group of gay friends, group of her church friends, kept separately. She would come out of us sometimes and then she would disappear because she just, it was hard just for her. To associate like, herself there was with us as well. Yeah, and there was only so much advice that we could give her because mm-hmm. we weren't in church. Mm. There's so much advice that we could really give her. And even to, so we haven't really spoken to her properly for about, is it like two years now? Yeah. About two years. But I, somebody told me the other day that she is trying to find her sexuality again. And then, but she's also cut them off as well. So she reaches out and then she goes she back into herself. Yeah. It's, very, it's very difficult, yeah. honestly. Mm-hmm. I think uh, families suffer a lot. I mean, I strongly believe that my family are suffering as well mm-hmm. because when I came out as gay, my before I came out as gay, my several my siblings were so close. Yeah. You know, I'm a typical Nigerian family. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have a meal on Monday at one of my brothers, another one on Tuesday at another mm-hmm. sibling, mm-hmm. and then we go around the circle mm-hmm. like that. When I came out as gay, everyone just stayed away. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for me, we didn't talk about it so we drifted apart yeah. and yeah. that drift apart actually created the division itself mm-hmm. that is difficult for us to even talk about yeah. it now so I have very little relationship with my siblings my wow. surviving siblings mm. um, and at the same time as well I'm having no relationship with their children which mm. hurts me a lot yeah. and this is what this homophobia thing can do <sighs> you know I was actually wanted to emphasize on one thing again you see when you're talking about you know, leaving some things is because mm. we don't know how to handle it. And I think that for me is um, is when I when I first came out as gay, you know, I was very conscious of my sexuality and I was very protective of my gay friends and my gay circle. Mm-hmm. So when I went to church, I made friends with Christians mm-hmm. in church, mm-hmm. yeah. regardless of their sexuality. Mm-hmm. And the, the 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 problem is that I couldn't talk about my Christian faith with my gay friends yeah. and I couldn't talk about my sexuality with my It becomes Christian two friends. separate lives. Yeah. It's too, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. It was too much. Mm-hmm. It was too much. And you know, there are things that are clues here and there. For example, when I go out with my gay friends on a Saturday night, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the time that I need to go home because I'm yeah. getting ready for church. Yeah. Right? When, when I, if I'm exhausted and I'm with my Christian friends, they're mm-hmm. asking questions, what did you do last night? Yeah. But I think that for me is that eventually what I was able to do was to reconcile the two yes. so that I had you know Christian friends who are either gay or gay friendly mm-hmm. and gay friends who understand my Christian journey mm, and yes. we can all go but let me tell you one thing Ra what all of that is good mm-hmm. you know even up till recently I still get accused because somebody said to me that I was a, a disgrace to Africans because I embraced the colonizers religion so I can't oh, somebody you can't win that, no, no it, someone that is gay and also uh, yeah yeah you can't win okay. no, can you, you can't win, but you just have to focus <laughs> on the good things mm. uh, in order to move this forward um, for me honestly th- that reality is there I mean I embrace my sexuality I embrace my Christian faith and I embrace my culture and tradition I'm truly Nigerian mm-hmm. I, I know of all the different gods whether it's Obatala Yemoja yeah. Shumu, yeah. And mm-hmm. I know all of them yeah. I have my respect for all of them mm-hmm. but trust me I am a Christian I'm not ignorant of all of these things mm-hmm. but I'm not worshipping those gods I have mm-hmm. a great understanding of them because they are part of my ancestry yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah 
I would say that um, for me, like being who I am, actually, I feel like it saved my life. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I couldn't, you know, live in the sort of the dark. I couldn't because it makes you a liar. It makes mm-hmm. you dishonest. It makes mm-hmm. you yeah. have to like sort of um, isolate yourself from others. Mm-hmm. And also your happiness is really important. That's mm-hmm. really important for your mental health. Yeah. So I feel like me being myself has definitely saved my life. But I do feel like there is something missing and that's the faith part. Mm-hmm. And quite recently I've started to think about more about sort of um, you know, getting that relationship back with God and speaking, yeah. I've been speaking to God more often as well. And I feel like it's just a, a step that I need to take for myself. Now that I'm happy with who I am, mm-hmm. I think I can revisit my faith. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I'm thinking about a lot now. Mm-hmm. Actually, I mean, we, we're reintroducing a program at House of Rainbow and we're calling it Circle of Faith. Um, when we had a strategy day um, in January, we obviously concluded quite mm-hmm. strongly that House of Rainbow is a faith-based organization. It's a unique organization. It's faith-based, mm-hmm. and so it hinges on all the work that we do. But I think that the primary work is to support LGBT people reconcile their faith and their yeah. sexuality. So we reintroduce what is called Circular Faith. We're looking to do on the third Friday of every month. Okay. okay. That way. Um, yeah. I'm actually not sure now if we'll be able to go ahead <laughs> with the one for this month, but I think we'll be working towards the one in April okay. and I'll be making announcements about Great. that because Look many out, people guys. have said that mm. they really wanted to come together. Yeah. Yes. And I think the first thing that we want to do is to help people come together, not necessarily create a church ambience, but mm. get us to come together to talk about those deep connections oh, with yes. our sexuality mm-hmm. and our faith. Mm-hmm. And then we can use that one as a pathway of healing. Yes. Um, I'm a very kind of very ritual focused person. So mm-hmm. we have a point where we have something out, mm-hmm. maybe flowers or water or anything that can, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. provide an ambience yeah. into the space. Yeah. Uh, dim the light, you know. Nice. <laughs> But anything that works for us, so um, I'm looking for others who are interested. Mm-hmm. Okay. Together. I feel like a lot of our listeners will be interested because somebody oh, yeah. messaged me the other day saying they were having, you know, a battle with their faith and their sexuality. So I feel like a lot of people mm. will be interested in this. So people that are listening, please like take note of take note and follow um, Reverend Jude as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll we'll have his name in the in the title, um, his Twitter in the title. So yeah, look out for that. Actually, uh, it's very easy. I mean, the, the the handle is House of Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's very easy. That's it. That's it. It's House of Rainbow underscore on Instagram, mm-hmm. which I think is even more popular. Nice. Um, I wanted to talk about. Um, homosexuality versus homosexual acts and sort of like what you think about that because I know that the church has become a bit more progressive so they're, they're not telling gay people to leave the church um, but they do condemn I mean some churches do condemn the, the acts mm. but not the person and I just wanted to know what you think about that do you know what honestly uh, let me start with where I am at the moment mm-hmm. um, I'm a clergy in the church of England yeah which oh, I'm okay. very, very proud mm-hmm. of. I'm an Anglican clergy. And and I did a documentary recently on the BBC called Too Gay for God, mm-hmm. where I was talking about being a clergy in the church. I, um, I have entitlement to all the sacraments, mm-hmm. but not the sacrament of marriage. Right. And what the church is asking clergy is that you may enter into a civil partnership, mm-hmm. which means that they do recognize same-sex relationship, but you cannot have sexual relationship in that civil partnership relationship. Mm, okay. Right. Now, for me, it's, 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 it's a very big problem 
for me and for many clergy because we want to be able to express, yes. you know, our sexuality mm-hmm. with the people, well, with the people, with the person. person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure my bishop is listening. <laughs> person. Uh, with the person that I'm in love with. Yeah. But I think that, again, this is where your question comes in mm-hmm. about the act and the person. Mm-hmm. Now, the reality is that we cannot separate the person from the act. Yeah. What we should be saying to people is that they need to be responsible with the act. Yeah. You understand me? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that, you know, as a gay person, you know, and also a clergy, you know, I have a responsibility, particularly as a public figure, that, you know, that I have a life that is worth celebrating yes. so that people can see examples. Many people have called me their role models. So that is a responsibility that I do not take lightly. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the, the homosexuality, uh, homosexuality is natural. Mm-hmm. The act comes with the natural part of who we are. Yeah. I think that we really need to be thinking about the, the double standard because I think that in heteronormativity, we do not ask for people not to act. Yes. Seriously. It's not fair. We, it's, it's, it's not fair. And I'm <laughs> yes. not saying that, you know, that the children point fingers mm-hmm. because we know that, you know, there are couples in church that are in sexual relationships that are not married. married. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. I think that even the Church of England bishops got to a very sticky situation recently after the United Kingdom uh, introduced legislation to support civil marriage for... Oh, straight couples. Uh, straight couples. Yeah. And then they now put out this information that, you know, um, uh, civil partnership, uh, that those in civil partnership, whether gay or not, should, should not have sex. Huh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I mean? So, and honestly speaking, for me, I mean, going to church the following Sunday was mm-hmm. very uncomfortable. Mm. And I'm looking in the congregation and I said, my God, I can't see anyone that's married in church today, but I know that all of these couples are probably yes. in, in, in a healthy sexual mm-hmm. relationship. But obviously, you know, the, the, the leaders of the church have felt that, you know, they are irrelevant, yeah. you know. Uh, to the body of Christ because they are not in quote-unquote a marriage yeah. as mm-hmm. opposed to be a cohabitation or civil partnership. And that's where the, the danger comes in. And the other question is that who are we to police, you know, people's sexual acts? Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, um, I, I think that, you know, the, the reality is that if, if the church and the elders of the church can just take their mind away from people's bedroom, we yeah. have a better Ugh. society. Oh, know, amen. Yeah. Than what we have mm-hmm. today. And I'm not trying to excuse anything, but I think that people's sexual acts and sexual behavior is actually nobody's behavior. Yes. Unless, of course, it's destructive yeah. and that they need support mm-hmm. uh, around it. But if it's healthy, mm-hmm. then why not? I'm sure that our doctors will recommend that we have a healthy yes. sexual relationship yeah. for all the benefits that it gives. Yeah. <laughs> I think as long as it's consensual, Absolutely. it's between two consenting adults, you know, yeah. and it's healthy, everyone's, you know, being responsible, then there shouldn't be a problem. Mm. Absolutely. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, especially when we're even talking about sexual health, mm-hmm. you know, um, my work at House of Rainbow is not just being, uh, it's not just pastoral care and support, you know. We do a lot of work around sexual health yeah. mm-hmm. as well. And um, so we share messages um, that's relevant, particularly around HIV, STIs, 
and you know it's really about sending out a message mm-hmm. for a responsible culture and a responsible group of people yeah and and you're very right again you know within consenting adults and yep. you know but also my organization is developing work to support young people yeah um you know obviously um we, we're developing work around safeguarding young lgbt people from all forms of abuse yes as you can imagine mm-hmm. so um again work is developing work is ongoing and it's really about striking a balance about you know um how people live a better and healthy life yes mm. oh, like that. that's good when i was in church i grew up in, as a mormon so i grew up in a mormon church and the only sexual talks we had was just don't have sex before marriage that's as far there was as about the, health there was, there was nothing, nothing about health and even like sort of like when you do that mm-hmm. i feel like when they do that because obviously the abuse is very prevalent mm-hmm. so then if they're telling you not to have sex before marriage and you you are somebody that gets abused, you're thinking, oh no, I've done mm. something wrong. You don't even see it as abuse. You think you've done something yeah. wrong because you've had sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like a lot of, you know, churches and places of like religion are missing mm. out Mm-hmm. On what needs to be done, yeah, is a, a, a care they're not taking mm-hmm. care with the people. I that think it goes back to when you said that um, things need to be according to that society that we're yeah. in and the times that we're mm-hmm. in now. Like, because obviously, maybe when the Mormon Church started, I don't know. <laughs> like, listen, the, the, the reality is that you will not go to a doctor or a physician that hasn't upgraded their skills. Mm. Oh no! Oh yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. point. Why do we go to pastors that haven't upgraded their skills? Mm. Yeah. And their knowledge in particular. Listen, I I don't want to quote too much Bible, but Proverbs chapter 4 verse 5 says, get wisdom, get understanding. Mm. My simple interpretation is do your research. Yeah. You see, every time the church is faced with certain issues or a leader in the church faces certain evil, they just say it's demonic. Yeah. There's nothing (laughs) demonic about anything. It's your lack of knowledge that Mm -hmm. is demonic. Yeah. But you see, again, all this laws about no sense before marriage it's mm-hmm. actually about control mm-hmm. honestly um a lot of lgbt people get into trouble mm-hmm. okay and not that i'm advocating sex before marriage people should do whatever they want to do provided that they're grown adults and mm-hmm. they're giving consent but i mean there was a story of a gay man who got married to a woman mm-hmm. you understand me in church mm-hmm. and they didn't actually have sex before marriage i mean and, and i know with great respect to, mm-hmm. uh, to women and, and, and young women in particular, when a man does not pressure them around sex, it's actually a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they want to know whether they're going to be loyal. Mm-hmm. But trust me, sometimes you might fall trapped into a gay man's hand mm-hmm. who couldn't handle the sex anyway. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? So this guy got into a relationship with this girl in church and then uh, years later, mm-hmm. they got married. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't actually fulfill or provide a sexual relationship mm-hmm. so and i remember you know i mean when, when i was discussing this with this person i said i honestly said well did you actually try to have sex before the relationship yeah. got to marriage mm-hmm. he said no i've become a pentecostal minister so i couldn't do that um. but the, the other thing is that he haven't actually you know he had to stop his feelings and sexual contact mm-hmm. with men right. which is part of the deception mm-hmm. and i feel that we need to be able to educate people and this is where i believe 
today, particularly in England, in some of the progressive countries, we started to talk about comprehensive sexuality education, mm-hmm. which I think is very important. And it needs to be age appropriate. Yes. Yeah. Where absolutely. you can be able to tell young children mm-hmm. about what is appropriate when someone touches. Right. You. Because I still debated that, you know, sexuality education is not about promiscuity. It's no. not about education. Absolutely. When you look at countries like Sweden, they actually have very low teenage pregnancy mm-hmm. and STIs than in England, for example. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and you got to look at it. Look at the balance. If mm-hmm. you have comprehensive sexuality education, mm-hmm. it's good for everybody. Yes, it is. I mean, in countries like Nigeria or Uganda, there will be actually less rape mm-hmm. if we have comprehensive sexuality education. Yep. Yeah. So, I, I think it has its advantages. And uh, unfortunately, I think religious communities, whether it's church, mosque, or, or the synagogue, or any other temple, they need to wake up yeah. You know, to the reality that mm-hmm. people in our congregation, in our parishes, are sexually active. Yeah, we need to be the place to provide them. Yeah, with the duty tools. of care. Mm-hmm. They have a duty of care mm-hmm. like to do that. that. Duty of care. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, there's one thing I want to touch up on as well. Um, I've I've seen <laughs> a lot that the LGBT community get compared to paedophiles, hmm. paedophilia, mm-hmm. and. Uh, for me, it obviously does not compute in my mind because it just doesn't make any sense. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, my, my immediate thoughts is it's ridiculous. There yeah. is absolutely no, it's not close at all. Mm. But Even see, people that say, yeah, I'm sure deep down they know that it's nonsense. They know. <laughs> they know. They know. They know. And you, honestly, listen, this is serious because, for example, in Uganda, let's mm-hmm. go back to 2009. Yeah. You know, the, the parliamentarians in Uganda wanted to use uh, pedophilia interchangeably with homosexuality. Pedophilia is a crime Mm. in itself. You understand me? It's a crime. Bestiality is a crime. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Mm -hmm. You cannot use those two in parallel with same-sex relationship. That's why for me, when they say define homosexuality, I say homosexuality is a person who is attracted to the person of their own gender, intellectually, emotionally, Mm -hmm. spiritually, Mm -hmm. you know, attractively. I think that's what everyone forgets about that part. They just think of the sex and that's it. it. That's Mm -hmm. what I always put the Sexually, sexually is is a good thing. It's, yeah. It's mm. I mean, if if for heteronormativity, mm-hmm. if you ask a woman what attracts her to the man, mm-hmm. they probably say, okay, the sex is good. But <laughs> yeah. And then you forget about everything yeah. else. Mm-hmm. But we know that relationship is built on many things. Yes. It's built on trust. Mm-hmm. It's built on loyalty. Mm-hmm. You know, and so on. So pedophilia does not feature at all in homosexuality. Mm-hmm. But let's also be mindful, right? You know. This is some of the things that we, we're developing in some of our work yeah. around safeguarding, mm-hmm. you know, uh, LGBT children from abuse. Yeah. We know that LGBT boys and LGBT girls also may suffer sexual abuse yes. mm-hmm. of any kind. Mm-hmm. And they need to be safeguarded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The family needs to be safeguarded. Mm-hmm. So you can't have a family that just has a visitor visit their home from nowhere and then takes over the child's room mm-hmm. or something like that or you see uh, a friendly uh, member of a friend of the family, mm-hmm. an uncle yeah. who suddenly puts the seven-year-old boy on his laps. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we, these are safeguarding issues. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, we've got to be mindful that sexual abuse mm-hmm. does happen yeah. that 
is uh, an older man, an uncle, a relative, or someone who knows the family mm -hmm. who is sexually abusing the young boy, mm -hmm. who that young boy could later be gay, but mm -hmm. that abuse is not connected to his sexuality. Yeah. It is mm -hmm. abuse, abuse. Yeah. But homosexuality is sexual relationships that's identified between adults. Mm -hmm. yeah. You understand me? Um, mm -hmm. Whatever the concerning ages in that country, yeah. whether it's 16 years as in the UK or mm -hmm. 18 or 21 years in any other country, that is when we know that these are relationships between this group of people yeah. at this age. If the age is lower, mm -hmm. there is still the law that talks about unlawful sexual uh, contact or intercourse. So yeah. that is pedophilia yeah. in mm -hmm. itself. Yeah. And it is not enough if the young person gives consent, yes, no, the no. law is they there to protect consent. young people. Yeah. So, for me, I have fought the battle with parliamentarians around the world. Mm -hmm. And the, one of the battles was between myself and David Bahati, the MP in Uganda, who mm -hmm. said that, you know, they were pushing for a law to protect the abuse of children. I said, then you're, you're pushing the wrong law. Is it agenda? That's yeah. just their agenda. You're pushing, mm. you're pushing the wrong mm. law. Because if you tell us that you want law against pedophilia, oh. the entire world of the LGBT community will be behind you. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But when you mm. want to use that law to punish us, mm -hmm. then you're on the wrong track. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. It ultimately comes down, everything comes down to consent. And if anyone um, turns around and says that, oh, LGBT is this and that, that, I don't think that person understands what consent is and they're capable of anything. Yeah. They don't understand what yeah. consent is. And, and I think that, to be honest, we, we have to look at two things that have really put a lot of pressure on the LGBT community. Religion certainly have put a lot of pressure mm -hmm. because when you ask people, how do they know that the Bible condemns homosexuality? One of the things they said, the Bible says so, but you say, can you point it to they me? Can't. They can't. <laughs> Listen, there are between six and ten Bible passages that mm. are used to condemn homosexuality out of the thousands of Bible passages. Mm. And when we have our program in May, May 2nd and May 9th, for mm. those who are joining the program. Yay. Plug. <laughs> so, so, I mean, honestly, that's 2020. Mm. <laughs> now, honestly, come and join us. We're going to be doing a, an in-depth study. And, mm -hmm. you know, you'll be marveled yeah. about this. Thing. But the reality is that people also say, my pastor says so. Mm -hmm. Now, this is where I question the pastor. Mm -hmm. What is the pastor's credentials? What is their understanding? You can't just throw one-liner, mm -hmm. one blanket of words, right? Yeah. This is what I have spent my lifetime doing, yeah. studying to reverse the damage that mm -hmm. I have experienced and many others have. Mm. And I'm glad for House of Rainbow yeah. in that context. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and it's also the fact that many of our parents have sat down and listened to these dangerous teachings mm -hmm. against homosexuality. Mm -hmm. I say to parents that your lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, intersex, non-conforming, non-binary, etc., etc., children are a precious gift from God. Do not allow a pastor who has no qualification to tell you that your child is an abomination when God gave you a gift. Wow. Mm -hmm. Come on up. Wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so House of Rainbow, is it, um, does it consist of other um, reverends like yourself? <laughs> or is it just, yeah, like when we, we come there, what should we do we expect? expect yeah. Well, actually, when you come to House of Rain, you're just going to see an office. <laughs> <laughs> 
Actually, um, let me just tell you about the programs. Yes, uh, in a board of directors, we're still very small, so mm-hmm. we're looking for other people who want to learn more about organizations and want to join their directors. It would yeah. be great to have more people on board. We, Is it we, other faiths or just Christianity? Actually, other faiths are welcome as well. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. It actually started with Christianity because of me and the founder. Yeah. But we also, uh, we have a reverend on board and on our board of directors who is a Methodist woman and okay. she's actually heterosexual and mm-hmm. she is an ally of our organization for many, many decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, many, many years, 13 years, not for the past 13 years of the organization. Um, we have other professionals on the board. Yeah. We have uh, a great team of uh, volunteers as well. We always need more because yes. of the impact of the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. So when you come to House of Rainbow programs, there are a number of things, right? The circle of faith is one of our flagship, you know. You come together, we do it once every month. Yeah. Uh, we come together, we study, we fellowship, you know, we share mm-hmm. uh, our journey. I mean, just like conversations like this, man. Yeah. Now, of course, you know, um, if people want to sing a song or they want to praise and worship, then that is something that we can introduce Okay. But what we've been doing in the past few years is that we've been actively encouraging people to find their own church community mm-hmm. because House of Rainbow is currently not a church okay. community. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, people want it to be. I would have loved it to be, but I currently a clergy in the Church of England. I cannot serve mm-hmm. in two churches. Mm-hmm. That, okay, that, yeah. that would not be acceptable. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the second thing is that we also do a lot of work behind the scenes supporting asylum seekers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, especially from Africa where uh, we do a lot of work supporting the legal team as well, not mm-hmm. just in the UK, but also outside of the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done work for people in the US, in Australia, in Netherlands oh, wow. and Germany mm-hmm. uh, to support their case just by letting you know the the court system understand the impact of homophobia if they were returned yes. back to their country of origin. Mm-hmm. Um, the other work we do is that we document hate crime, um, you know, on behalf of the police and also on behalf of the local authority. You know, people come to talk to us when there's a hate crime that's affected them, mm-hmm. and then we try to navigate them into which direction they need to go to. Oh. Now, mm-hmm. of course, um, the other big uh, project we do is sexual health. We respond to sexual health quite quite um, a, in a credible way. We currently have a project that is running for black African, mm-hmm. Asian, minority, ethnic, men who have sex with men who are HIV positive. Right. Mm-hmm. And that work is very crucial because, mm-hmm. you know, um, for, for many people like myself, I'm also HIV positive, mm-hmm. which I'm always proud to talk about it, mm-hmm. about it, is that we do not have the first line of support mm-hmm. when we are diagnosed with this very terminal, well, uh, long-term illness. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, no one is dying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a long-term illness, and if well-medicated, you can live a perfect life. Yes. I'm living my dream, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, nothing has changed. But I think that the reality is that we're providing that safe space. You know, mm-hmm. we, we had a session yesterday uh, with about eight people. It was incredible. And, you know, some of the people there said, this is unique. They've never seen anything like it before. Wow. And we want to make yeah. it stronger. So if anyone out there is also mm-hmm. having challenges about... Because one of the reasons is this... It's actually linked to the faith work that we're doing mm-hmm. right so watch this one they said that because you're gay you're an abomination mm-hmm. now if you by virtue of being gay then you then contract the hiv virus mm-hmm. the very same people that call you an abomination are also calling you they're saying that the 
punishment for the abomination is the HIV. Oh. Yes, yes, I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. So part of the work of House of Rainbow mm-hmm. is to change that narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Because that alone triggers mental health. Mm. Yeah. Do you know people come there with that yeah. fear inside yeah. them now? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, someone sent me a message yesterday and um, um, it, it, it was just incredible because um, what they said was very important and I think I will I will share that. You know, obviously mm. confidentiality is yeah, no very names. important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um but it's just that you know when we come together like this it's very important that we have the opportunity to let people know that look, you know, you may be living with the HIV virus, mm-hmm. you know, life is still very important yes. uh, for you because I think that for me is one of those incredible things. So this is what someone said yesterday. She said I want to shout out to House of Rainbow uh, for organizing such an important platform to illuminate, share, and instill more knowledge on us about living with HIV. I, for one, am usually shy to come to such gathering, let alone speak freely. It was such a simple, fun, and yet impactful session. And I absolutely commend your effort and passion for your services for the love of humanity. It was nice meeting everyone. Mm. Wow. There's somebody there for the first time. Yeah. So can you then imagine, you know, we have this service. This one, currently, we're doing it once a month as well. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping, hopefully we'll organize another one next month. Mm-hmm. But I think that the other reality is that, you know, we're, we're doing a lot more work as well. Yeah. Now, we're also extending our work. Actually, we've been doing some work with religious leaders as well. Mm-hmm. But it's been a very slow move in the UK. We've done a lot of work in Africa and in the Caribbean yeah. with religious leaders and the LGBT community. So um, the international work reaches about 22 countries that we have mm. stepped in to work in. Um, the other part of our work is social media. We do a lot mm. of social media. And you saw my passion when I saw this tweet yeah. this morning. That, oh my God. Yeah. Can you imagine podcast? You know, Everyone needs to contact out. Reverend yeah. Jude and tell him to start a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Tweet him. <laughs> yeah. I need support. Listen, I'm 54 mm. years old. I know my weakness. <laughs> All this new technology. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I do, I, I would need support to be quite honest. I mean, mm. if anyone's got skills, yes, you know, mm. uh, let, let Rose and, and Nana know and then yes and you'll be, we will let him know yes <laughs> yeah I feel like this yeah. is I think you struck gold with this idea you struck gold like sermons on the gold oh yeah. just in your ear <laughs> fantastic idea <laughs> Especially now I have coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to leave your house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to leave your house. Absolutely. But yeah, um, I wanted to touch on about like sort of like I think when it comes to a lot of religious communities, is them instilling fear. Yeah. in you and I feel like I get why we have religion you know you control the masses like when, when people have faith you know they act right <laughs> that's what I believe mm-hmm. anyway they act right and so I feel like it's it it's for that greater good of like controlling the masses and like stopping crime well not stopping crime but decreasing crime and all of these things which is great it's great for society but the fear part of like not inheriting you know the kingdom and mm-hmm. stuff like that like if you do this you're going to hell if you do this you're going to hell like you see you see the, the real- reality is that when you do this to the LGBT community, that means that you are keeping them away from focusing on the salvation and the uh, kingdom yeah. drive. Mm, this is a fear, yeah. 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 So, so when you put fear in the LGBT community, a lot of people are weak. Let's, let's understand mm-hmm. that, you know. Like I said to you, when I was, when I submitted myself to the pastors at um, Glory House, for example, mm-hmm. I truly in that moment want to believe that they were right and I was wrong. Yeah. I walk away 
now knowing that they were wrong and I was right. Mm-hmm. But it took me years for me to transform yeah. myself mm-hmm. into that journey of reconciliation. And it came with a price. I'm no longer in conversation with my father. I'm no longer yeah. in conversation with my son. Mm-hmm. I have a distant relationship with my sibling. But to be quite honest, I do not hold anything against them because they didn't understand me the mm-hmm. way that I understand myself. Yeah. But wouldn't it be great that I have a perfect mm-hmm. or near perfect family? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know what, honestly, we God, everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, God did not make a mistake mm-hmm. in creating, you know, LGBT people, yeah. you know. So when I hear all this silliness that mm-hmm. God made Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve, I say, yeah. Adam and Steve too. You know, God made uh, Evelyn too, because I like to say, Madam and Evelyn. You know? But I, I think that the reality is that people have forgotten the yeah. humanity of the LGBT people and mm. community. And um, and I think that for me, it's, it's about having that better understanding and the reality that the Christian community, the religious communities are making a big mistake by pushing people out. Listen, there is no need to have a gay church. There's no need to have an exclusively Mm -hmm. gay congregation. Mm -hmm. We are together, trust me. Who leads the choir? Who are the bishops? Who are the leaders? (laughs) Seriously, I mean, a church that is inclusive and welcoming of the gay community is a healthy church. Mm. And it's a kingdom-focused church as well because you cannot exclude the LGBT people from the kingdom of God. It is impossible. Mm. You know, we are part of the music ministry there. We are (laughs) part of the ushers there. You remember my experience? Yes. Sashay down. Sashay down. Listen, but I, I think that, you know, the, the other thing that also resonates with me is that, you know, I, I've said to many people that the more LGBT people that also take on the study of theology, we can mm-hmm. provide appropriate pastoral care and mm-hmm. support mm-hmm. to LGBT people as yes. well. It will be unbiased because mm-hmm. we recognize those things. Um, there is a, a, a family, a, a single mother who approached our organization mm-hmm. for support. At the time, you know, I mean, uh, the, the, the mother's child was about four or five years old. Mm-hmm. And um, the child identified as a princess. Mm. And they struggled. Yeah. But, you know, as the child grew, you understand me, they kind of like clearly clear. It became clear that this is a transgender child. Mm-hmm. So We came in contact with somebody like that as well yeah. quite recently, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, it, and this is from the black community. Yeah, yeah. Because there's also struggles, but, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the, the thing is that the family had to move out of London, for example, to find a different neighbourhood where mm-hmm. the child can grow, mm-hmm. you understand me, and be themselves mm-hmm. yeah. so that they're not impacted by the, the abuse and, mm-hmm. and the rejection in the yeah. society and, and those who knew them as a male child yeah. now transitioning as a girl child. Mm-hmm. And I think, to me, that's important for the family and for the child as well. Absolutely. And the more we have these conversations within our own community, particularly the black community Mm -hmm. and the church community, Mm. the more we begin to see, you know, uh, a a reconciliation and a balanced health and, and, you know, healthy Mm. life as well. It's really needed because, like, even um, with children and, like, understanding stuff like that. When So I've got a daughter, she's nine. And um, this year... 
I haven't really been taken to school because she goes to school by herself now. Mm. And then she goes to after school club. So a lot of her newer friends haven't seen me before, but this week was parents evening. Yeah. So um, they saw me, one of them saw me pick, take her to school and they said, oh, why, does she, why is your mum wearing a do-rag? Because I think they can see the way I dress <laughs> is different to the, how the other mums dress. So why do you... And she also doesn't get it. So for her, for her, I'm just the same as everyone else's mum. And she was saying, oh, um, she wears a do-rag because she's cool. And then some of the other children... When I went to when I went to the parents' evening, mm-hmm. I could be like nudging their parents. <laughs> look at Amariah's mom. Like she, why did she look like that? Yeah, and I could see like the education wasn't really there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was like this innocence. And I was thinking, I hope these parents are just give them the correct information, mm-hmm. and they're not using cultural because there's a lot of mm-hmm. religions and cultures in her yeah. school. I hope mm-hmm. they're not using religious and culture um, inspired negative thoughts to mm-hmm. tell them. Mm-hmm. And then for the my daughter now, I feel like oh, that she has a different mom now. Yeah. And she will feel pressure and stuff like that. Mm. So, yeah. I, I think there are two things for me in that. I, I think the first thing is that the comprehensive sexuality education is so needed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are resources, and we're developing more resources, not just my organisation. There are resources that begin to address the differences in family. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I volunteer for an organisation called AFUCA, which is Africans mm-hmm. United Against Child Abuse. And um, in recent years, they started to talk about diverse families, mm-hmm. you know, one-parent families, same-sex uh, uh, couple family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they introduced the 2000 and I better get this right. <laughs> when the same-sex marriage introduced in 2013, I think it was introduced mm-hmm. in the UK, the Same-Sex Couple Act, mm-hmm. which means that, you know, um, lesbians and gays can marry mm-hmm. in oh, this okay. country. Um, there are actually more black families that are married. Yeah, of course, I mean, I mean, mm. I, I know lesbian couples that are married, I know gay couples yeah. that are married. Mm. There are black people, mm. and some of them actually have children, yeah. either from previous relationship mm-hmm. or in their new relationship. Mm-hmm. They've, they've, you know, they've raised children, mm-hmm. uh, you know, naturally or adoption, they, mm-hmm. they have children. So um, we're also now developing and this, this work I talk about safeguarding LGBT children mm-hmm. from abuse. And exactly what you described just now mm-hmm. with your child is exactly some of the things that we're developing mm-hmm. so that we can provide information, not just to the family, but also to the schools, the other stakeholders mm-hmm. out there, so that they can understand that families are diverse. Yeah. And I think young people are the best people to understand it. Because, best, yeah. you know, it's not it's not like we're, we're forcing it on them. It's just... A, allow them the choice yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that the fear that a lot of adults have that are negative like oh no you're going to turn our children gay mm-hmm. no 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 I think your children will choose the right thing rather than the wrong thing yeah mm-hmm. if they know from mm-hmm. a young age if they know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that would be good if like you guys spoke in schools or like advice schools maybe because listen, listen we, like, do. If, oh, we do I'm oh, yeah. mm-hmm. we do um, you know I, I please come to Hackney yeah <laughs> no, honestly I mean send, get the school to send us invitation yeah um, I, I did the school in uh, in South London mm-hmm. um, of course I wouldn't name the school and but the school had a majority uh, black people People, yeah. Black pupils from mostly West African. Mm-hmm. You know, I spoke about being gay and being a Christian and being Nigerian. And honestly, before I left the school, you know, some of the pupils came to me to say that they are gay. Oh. You know, and we're talking what 15, 16 year old. Wow. And because at that age you know yourself. You know, I knew. Yeah, I knew when I was 15, 16, yeah. <laughs> I knew from when I was seven. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And um, but I think huh. that it's, it's 
No, honestly speaking, I mean, if we do the statistics, we're going to get at least 90-something percent of LGBT people new sexuality mm-hmm. from when they were much mm-hmm. younger. Sometimes yeah. I hear people say five. I mean, yeah, I've, I've heard, heard people say five. Five, six, seven, I Yeah. I think it's good that you're doing that work because it just, it helps to validate these people, these young kids as well because they may feel like, because when, when I was young, I felt like, oh my God, what's this? This is weird and this is wrong. It's not natural and all these things. And I didn't feel validated. I felt like mm. I felt wrong. So I feel like this work that you're doing with schools is so needed. It could just help those kids who feel like they're wrong even see, the teachers see, as yeah. well even the teachers mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that the reality is that there is still no support there is no funding mm-hmm. and that really really uh, mm-hmm. funding is important okay. and um, there are we need more role models yep. we need more uh, black LGBT people to come out yep. and go to schools with us but I think that I think the starting point is that if anyone is thinking of intern or mm-hmm. they think that they have a great idea mm-hmm. or they want to support any of our existing work yeah. let's come along and have that conversation because we can build mm-hmm. the concept note and then begin to knock on doors yes. mm-hmm. um, even if we have to go to where the money is <laughs> <laughs> that would be yeah. good yeah that would yeah. be good because I remember even um, so my girlfriend took um, my daughter to their school like fair and she was telling when after she came home she was like oh um, the teachers were trying to ask her who she was to Amariah but they wouldn't I just asked the question <laughs> so they were saying oh so um, we haven't seen you before and then they'll be asking what her name is they'll ask Amariah who is that and then, <laughs> and then she but no one actually just flat out asked her but she knew where the, the, um, she knew where the questions were coming from but she's like I just wish that they just asked me and I said well, because they don't know how to they don't, no one's really taught them how to approach these things mm-hmm. so they feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. so I feel like if the teachers more were taught and spoken to this wouldn't be because obviously there's especially now that people are more visible there's yeah. going to be more parents coming mm-hmm. that yeah. are going to be gay and mm-hmm. children come from same sex families but they, so they need to know how to handle yeah. that yeah, I mean absolutely. you know the quiz question about 1.1 million mm-hmm. now that's a great example I mean I wouldn't be surprised if that number trickled to like mm-hmm. 12 million mm-hmm. but I think it's again you know young people are becoming more savvy more mm-hmm. understanding and I think that the older people need to just adjust uh, and stop stretching their neck when mm-hmm. they see uh, an alternative yeah. Yeah. through the door. And, and more so within the black community because they're often surprised. Mm. Um, because there's this notion that, you know, we're subjected to this heteronormativity, yeah. which is often not the case, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This black community. <laughs> <laughs> Nana's questioning are you finished yeah I think I've got most of my questions on there everything but one one last one last really question is like for sort of like for people who are struggling Mm. what would you say to them in a few words yeah the bottom line advice I mean to be honest the bottom line is for you to love yourself Mm. seriously it starts with self love Um, the, the last thing that you want to do is to deny yourself, Mm -hmm. shame yourself, or blame yourself. Um, Just love yourself and and don't isolate yourself. Find communities like House of Rainbow. Mm -hmm. This this is not plugging, but we're not the only one. Mm -hmm. Um, There are groups like uh, Blackout UK or even UK Black Pride, seriously Mm -hmm. speaking, that are forming communities. Mm -hmm. Even Stonewall, for example, have the queer people of color, you know, communities. Oh, do they have a... Yeah, they do. Oh, okay. 
They mm. do. Um, and I think that it's really about finding your tribe. Yes. You know, your community. Mm. But, um, yeah, um, to be quite honest, we, we'll be very happy at House of Rainbow to extend the hand of friendship, you know, mm. do the work at the schools, mm-hmm. do the work at the churches and so on and so forth. Mm. So, and, um, and, you know, live the best life. You know, mm-hmm. don't isolate yourself. I mean, I say that too often with people, mm-hmm. that, you know, forming peer support and finding people that care about you is very important. I mean, I talked about family very briefly, mm-hmm. and it's not something that I, I often like to talk about. Yeah. But the other side is also, you know, create your own family of choice. Mm. Yeah. Because your family of choice will be your bedrock. There will be that cushion that you can bounce on, mm-hmm. that you can go to when other families, you know, deny or reject mm. you. Yeah. You know, create your own family of choice. We can do that mm. quite easily. Mm. Oh, beautiful! I like that. I like that. Yes. So, so what's next for Reverend today? <laughs> when is the book coming out? <laughs> what's happening? There are so many things. Um, um, we've we've done the uh, documentary with the BBC. Um, uh, Two Gay for God was mm-hmm. actually screened uh, July 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're currently taking the documentary on the road. Okay. So um, we showed it at University of at London a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it was well received. Mm-hmm. Um, so many feedback from that. Of course, the book is work in progress. I mean, yeah. we're currently looking out for publishers. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's um, not easy. Yeah. It's, not, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the one with the fattest check. Yeah. <laughs> can, can move to the front line. Yeah. Um, I think that the, the other thing for us is actually developing House of Rainbow and making it more accessible to many people yep. because there are places that we still go that people have never heard of House of Rainbow. We've been around 13 years. Mm-hmm. So it's good to let people know about that. Um, I think the other thing, because I said a lot about it in this conversation so far, is that we really want to develop this project around uh, safeguarding LGBT children and their family from all sorts of abuses. And I think that is a key part of the work that we want to do. Um, What is next in major thing? Um, I'm looking forward to be ordained as Mm. an Anglican priest uh, sometime this year. Mm -hmm. So um, just trusting God, you know. it, it has been postponed a few years because mm-hmm. of so many issues around mm-hmm. my activism and my voice. Right. But I'm hoping that it will go ahead. Mm-hmm. You know? And again, this is me also part of um, strengthening myself and acknowledging my call in God's church and in God's kingdom, mm-hmm. regardless of my sexuality, yep. my mm-hmm. sexual health status mm-hmm. and my race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because all of those impact this journey. Mm-hmm. And I want people to be able to look up and say, actually, yeah, I know a black uh, openly gay, HIV positive clergy mm-hmm. in the Church of God. Yes. Would you say that they all, because um, you're the only one that I know, <laughs> yeah, whether black or white, anything, you're mm-hmm. the only one that I'm, So, uh, would you say that there's others? Would you say this that openly? Oh, that open, yeah, that open. Do you know what, honestly, if you asked me this question about two, three years ago, mm-hmm. it would have to be no, I don't know. Anymore, mm-hmm. But I am so grateful. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is this beautiful friend of mine called Reverend Jarrell Robinson Brown. He wouldn't mind me mentioning mm-hmm. his name. Mm-hmm on this podcast. Um, he is openly gay and he's black. Mm. He's of Jamaican uh, oh, heritage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's under the age of 30. Oh, <laughs> so um, I hope I got that right. So yeah. well, anyway, uh, he's young and he's fabulous. And, um, um, you know, for me, I, I we want to see more because yeah. I don't think that in, in, in England, anywhere in England, we actually have a church community that is 
inclusive and totally welcoming within the black community. Mm-hmm. Actually, let me rephrase it. We don't have a black majority church mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. led by a gay or lesbian player no who is also black. No. Mm-hmm. So we don't. Mm-hmm. So um, the closest is probably going to be House of Rainbow. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I'm a, I'm, an, I'm a clergy in the Anglican church. Mm-hmm. And that is not going to happen mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in this context. Yeah. And I don't want to create. I love the Anglican church where I'm serving. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dream and my hope and my desire Mm-hmm. is that they also uh, become more inclusive and mm-hmm. take on board everything that I've said in this in this podcast for example mm-hmm. you know creating spaces inclusion providing pastoral care that mm-hmm. are appropriate and culturally sensitive mm-hmm. so I hope that the young people that are listening will consider mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know yeah. following their models you know and, and yeah. actually more women as well I want to see yeah. more women Black women, mm-hmm. yeah. transgender pastors. Yeah, that would be something. I'd love to see that. That <laughs> would be something. <laughs> Nana, are you ready? Well, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's I mean, amazing. There, there, are, there are some, as far as I know, in South Africa mm-hmm. or Southern Africa. I don't know any at all in West of Africa. Um, uh, Central African, no, I've not heard. But in Southern Africa, there are openly lesbian clergy and mm-hmm, gay clergy. Mm-hmm. I mean, South Africa is like yeah. the biggest hope. But as you know, South Africa also have legislation that is more progressive. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, they do. Yeah. They, they, have, they, they have the number one equality legislation. But mm-hmm. of course, uh, it doesn't always translate into attitudes mm-hmm. on the ground. But mm-hmm. at least we know. I know so many openly gay and lesbian clergy in mm-hmm. South Africa, Zimbabwe. Um, Botswana, um, Lesotho, and, mm. and countries in that region. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. of Africa. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Really nice. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us yeah. today. Yeah. I feel very privileged to yeah. have you here today, and also thank you for being so open as well. And honest. And yeah. honest. I think that's what. Apart from just the church needing that, the world needs the it. World There's not enough it, people yeah. that are on apology them to themselves. There's not enough people that. I just gonna say it how it is as well. Mm. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for um, for joining us today. Thank you. Um, thank thanks you. for listening. Oh, make sure you subscribe to um, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you um, follow us on social media. It's very much you even to say your social media yes. so they can follow you. <laughs> you can follow me on Jude McCauley on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's my on Twitter is Rev Jude. Um, for House of Rainbow is House of Rainbow on Twitter and House of Rainbow underscore on Instagram. Nice. Amazing. And we'll make sure you put it in the description for the podcast as well make yep. sure you use the hashtag tutus podcast in conversation about this podcast episode hope you guys enjoyed it and thanks for tuning in bye, bye.